podcasters? We're, We're close. close. Hey guys, welcome back to Capacity Geek. I'm Alex, and I'm joined as always with Bobby and Walter. Say hey guys. Hey everybody. Hello. So, uh, how are we doing this week, guys? Not terrible. Not terrible? Pretty good. That's good. Uh, so today is a week from Columbus Day. And despite this episode going to be released five weeks after that, we decided, hey, let's have a little bit of fun and let's record something by acclaimed filmmaker Chris Columbus. If you don't know who Chris Columbus is, he is the filmmaker behind Adventures in Babysitting, the first two Harry Potter films, Mrs. Doubtfire, classic, the Adam Sandler film Pixels. We don't talk about that one. No, we don't talk about that one. No. But he has kind of this oeuvre for campy, just whimsical movies. Uh, I was talking with my former roommate the other day about Chris Columbus, and I thought Night at the Museum was a film by him, but it wasn't him. But he was a producer on that film, and uh, he thought Gremlins was a Chris Columbus film, but it actually wasn't. He was a writer on Gremlins. So he's been around Hollywood and just filmmaking. Just He's really done stuff on all ends of the spectrum there. He also wrote Goonies. You guys didn't know that. I did not know. Nope. So, what Chris Columbus movie did we decide to talk about, guys? I'll let Bobby do the honors, because this is one of his favorite movies. Well, if I knew how to play the keyboard, I'd give you guys a hint, but we're doing Rent. We're doing Rent. Walter hadn't seen Rent before starting the podcast, uh, so this is his first time watching Rent. Me? I've seen it about three times. The last time I saw it before watching it for this show was about two years ago. Um, pretty sure a lot of people know on this show by now, but I am an openly gay man. And uh, three years ago, this year, 2019, was my coming out in this week, the 11th. So that's another reason why we did Rent, because on my first anniversary, I made a rainbow cake, and me and my former roommate, who was the one we were talking about earlier, uh, watched three films. Uh, Hairspray, one that we're going to get to very soon, which I adore. Um, Philadelphia, which I'm pretty sure the three of us have seen. I have not. You haven't seen Philadelphia? No. What year did it come out? 93? 94? Might have seen it. With Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington? Pretty sure it's one. Yeah, um, but groundbreaking film about AIDS and loving thy fellow man and, you know, looking past all those different things. And it's tragic, it's heartbreaking, but it's also a beautiful film. Wow, Walter hasn't seen it, so that's definitely going to be on the list. All right, so like I said, my first anniversary, we watched those two movies and Rent. Now, you might be wondering why those three movies in particular. Well, when I think about LGBTQ plus uh, cinema, those are three of the films that I like to think of. Hairspray, uh, it doesn't really have a lot of LGBT themes, but it's very well regarded in the um, uh, gay community for the aspects of drag and uh, John Waters, a great man, great filmmaker. He developed the original idea for Hairspray and has a cameo in the movie. It's just a really fun movie to watch, fun musical. Uh, Philadelphia, like I said, it shows the hardships and troubles of a world uh, riddled with HIV. And Rent also does but it's kind of a mix of the two where it is this musical but it's dealing with these subjects that are very very sad but also very true to the day that it's set in 1989 you know the AIDS epidemic slash pandemic that occurred in the late 80s to the early 90s and before and after really it hurt a lot of the gay community it hurt a lot of the world community but it was regarded as a disease only gay people can get at first. And, you know, people were treated very poorly for that. It, you know, people would be 
disregarded from their families. People would be attacked and maybe even killed on the street, or they'd be ostracized from society because people didn't know a lot about AIDS back then, but they'd assume just interacting with someone with AIDS, sharing a drink, or even just being touched by someone with AIDS would give them this terrible, debilitating, life-threatening disease. And I pray, and I'm glad every day that we know more about this now, there are precautions. I take a daily pill just to prevent HIV. I'm negative, thank God, but I take this pill every day just so I stay negative and clean and I get checked up regularly. Um, that's something I do want to advocate for a second. Uh, get your checkup every three months. Gay, straight, bi, what have you. Get If you're sexually active, get checked up every three months. You know, they'll do everything. They'll do gonorrhea, AIDS, syphilis, hepatitis, all that stuff. Just, you know, be safe, be clean, be happy. And, uh, see, this movie goes places, and it makes people go places. So, um, Walter, you did say on the group chat you were not a fan of musicals. Right. Usually not a big fan of musicals, just never got into them. They can't really draw me in like other genres of movie pads. Right. And, uh, Bobby, I'm actually surprised. Even, uh, I'm actually surprised this is one of your favorite films, Mm -hmm. especially after hearing your dad talk about Rocket Man the other day. Well, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure my dad, Loki, once Ryan came out on DVD, I'm pretty sure Loki at first he was like, oh wow, this is great. I like this movie because I remember him, I remember him liking Ryan at some point. But I don't know, now not so much. I think he just can't get into musicals the way mm-hmm. that this new generation does. Please, let's uh, let's preface for a second. Bobby's dad has nothing against gay people. He's got nothing against, I don't think, anybody. I mean, except the sweetest, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) No, for real though, my dad loves everybody, as long as they don't mess with us. Of course, I I am like family, more so than Walter, who is actually Bobby's roommate. It's getting there. It's getting there. I mean, to be fair though, I've known... To be fair! To be fair! I've known this big, beautiful gay man since high school, so of course he's family. He's straddling me. Straddling me. I'm straddling, am I right? Oh my god, that is going to ruin the that that is going to ruin the sound. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, no. So yeah, Bobby's dad is great. He's everyone's dad. Yeah. But um, so yeah. I'm actually really glad this is one of your favorite movies because this means we get to talk about and hound Walter with it. This is true. Now, um, me, I love musicals. Like the night before we came, the night before we recorded this, what did we do last night, boys? We saw Judy. Oh yeah, the Judy Garland musical biopic. I thought it was okay. You know, it was very slow. She didn't start singing till like a good forty minutes into the movie. It made the movie feel way longer than it actually was. Oh yeah. These days, an hour and 58 minutes, sometimes breezes by really fast, but Judy really left us in those intimate, quiet moments. And it really made me sad if even half of what Judy Garland went through in her life was like that. I don't know. So that's our mini-review of Judy. So why don't we crack this puppy open? All right, so we open on what has to be the most iconic. Just if you think of Rent, if you know a thing about Rent, if you even heard the word Rent, if you're at a math problem and it asks you how many minutes are in a year, Bobby? 525,600 minutes. Yep. Seasons of Love is probably the most iconic song from Rent. Even if you don't know Rent the Musical, you know Seasons of Love. Have you heard Seasons of Love before? I have, yes. 
Yeah, that's just how iconic it is. And I, I just love how they use it here. Because the thing about Rent the Movie, it's basically just Rent the Musical filmed. Because what Chris Columbus did, miraculously, uh, this movie came out in 2005. The original Broadway run was in 1996. And besides Mimi and Joanne. Joanne. Yeah, besides Mimi and Joanne, this is the exact same Broadway cast. Really? Yeah, Tay Diggs, Adam Pascal, uh, Anthony Rapp. Sorry, I forgot his name. Uh, uh, Andy Rapp. We might know Anthony Rapp these days as the person who came out with uh, the first round of allegations against Kevin Spacey, which really helped christen the Me Too movement. You know, popularized it because it took down one of the biggest stars we had. You know, not a lot of people think of Kevin Spacey anymore, and for good reason. But Anthony Rapp definitely helped that. So thanks, and also sorry. But uh, yeah, Anthony Rapp, uh, Idina Menzel, big Broadway star these days. Frozen, um, Wicked, just a, a ton of stuff. Or Adele Dazeem, as our friend John Travolta likes to call her. And uh, uh, I forget his name, Jesse L. Saint, isn't that? Um, let me let me do my uh, research here. Right. Uh, but uh, do you watch The Flash at all? I do not. No. I fell out of the Arrowverse before The Flash came in. Right. Bobby, do you? No. Um, no. Okay, well, this is just for the Flash fans, but uh, Jesse L. Saint, isn't it called? Jesse L. Martin. Jesse L. Martin. Um, Okay, I'm going to do that entire bit again. But uh, Jesse L. Martin, which if you guys have ever seen The Flash or anybody at home has ever seen The Flash, he plays the character of Joe West, which is Barry Allen's uh, surrogate father. Hey, Bobby here from Capacity Geek Podcast. I'm re-recording this entire segment because I noticed one massive inaccuracy on my part. Uh, that being said, Jesse L. Martin is playing... Marvin Gaye. Oh, he's going to play Marvin Gaye? Yeah, he's going to he's gonna play Marvin Gaye. It was originally going to be Lenny Kravitz playing Marvin Gaye. Oh, okay. that would have been That would have been cool. I mean, still, Jesse L. Martin is... Yeah. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, I do not know the actor who plays Angel. Um, like the full name because Wilson, Germain, uh, Heredia. Yeah. Um, yeah. So everybody besides Rosario Dawson and whoever plays um, Joanne. Is that her name Jolene? Joanne. Joanne. Whoever plays Joanne and Rosario Dawson are not on the Broadway cast, but the actress who played Joanne went on to join the Broadway cast after that. So, yeah, Chris Columbus basically took most of the, a good amount of the Broadway cast and just filmed them on screen. Um, I mentioned that Chris Columbus has this kind of style to him where things at least associated with him, like him writing Gremlins or Goonies, or even stuff he directed like Harry Potter, just has kind of like this whimsical childlikeness to that. And Rent doesn't seem like a Chris Columbus film. It's the least Chris Columbus film Chris Columbus has ever made. And I kind of really like that. It's just, it has funny moments and it has moments where you can relate to these characters and you love these characters. You know, you love Mark, Roger, um, Tom, Collins, which is named after the beverage, I believe he is. Uh-huh. Tom Collins, um, Angel, uh, Maureen, uh, Joanne, and Benny. But uh, these characters, you, you really just learn to love them throughout the film. Uh, and that also means you're there for their 
good times. You're there for the tragedies that unfold. You're there suffering, but also loving with them. And going back to what I said with the AIDS epidemic slash pandemic of the 80s and 90s, it's, you know, that's the reality for a lot of people. It was living with AIDS. Uh, four out of the eight main characters in this movie have AIDS. Um, one of them passes away from AIDS by the end of the movie. Angel, who is my favorite character in this movie, besides maybe Mark, just because I relate to him. But um, Angel in this movie is just the sweetest soul. She is a transgender uh, drum street performer. She performs on drums in the street, and she finds Tom Collins on Christmas Eve, 1989, after he had been mugged, and I think he got stabbed, right? I'm fairly certain. There I'm fairly certain. There wouldn't be that much blood. Right. He just got beaten up. Yeah, he... Yeah, so Tom gets stabbed, and uh, Angel rescues him, and they form this kind of romance, and we see seven out of the eight characters become very closely tight-knit, and Mimi and Roger have a thing, and Maureen and Joanne uh, have a relationship that ultimately almost leads to marriage, but I think by the end they're just together. It, it, it gets very muddled, admittedly, after La Vie Bohème. Which I'm guessing is the, uh, in the stage version, the intermission, is probably right after La Vie Bohème, because that seems like the halfway point. That's where Angel starts to get sick, and that's, you know. Um, so what do we think about the songs in this movie? Oh man, every, every single song in the film is just an absolute bop. It is, oh my god. Like, I'm not gonna lie, um, but I have Today For You, Tomorrow For Me just stuck in my head. Yeah, and um, one thing I picked up on in my recent viewing, I must have not heard it right, or it's been a couple of years and I didn't uh, realize it, but Benny says later that there was a death in his family, and he says that their dog, their Akita, Akita the Avita, so, yeah. So uh, Benny says that their their dog Avita the Akita um, died that morning, and that directly goes to the the events of today for you, tomorrow for me, because Angel is singing about how she was hired to drum outside an apartment building until an Akita jumped out the window, so a lady could get some sleep. Yeah, did you did you not pick up on that, Walter? I did not. Oh yeah, no, that's uh. Yeah, so I, I, I did kind of like that connection and just that little bit of tension there. I also like the song between uh, Tom and uh, Angel. I'll cover you. Like, oh my god. I want Seasons of Love to be played at my funeral, and I want I Cover You to be played at my wedding. Yeah. All right. I don't think you get a choice in that, Bob. <laughs> so, um, Walter, what did you think of the songs? I really liked a lot of them. Um, my personal favorite was what was the title of the one when uh, Rosario Dawson first meets? Oh, Light My Candle. Yes. Light My Candle. I, I really like love Light My Candle. Yeah, I, I did like the cinematography there. Even though this is probably, um, yeah, because she wasn't in the original cast, Rosario Dawson does jump in there really good. And I don't think we've ever seen, I don't think before or after we've ever seen Rosario Dawson sing, have we? I mean, after we did. In what? She was in Clerks 2, right? She doesn't sing in that. Yeah, I'm she fairly... Did? I'm, what? I'm fairly certain there was, like, a little musical number that they, she sang in. They dance. They dance the ABC. She doesn't sing in it. They have the boombox, remember? Right. Yeah, they dance. I was going to say she does dance in Clerks 2, which is probably where the three of us know her best is Clerks yes. 2. That's yeah. the first place I ever saw. She's my absolute favorite in Clerks 2. And uh, she's been in the Marvel Netflix uh, stuff. I think she 
is kind of like the Coulson of the Marvel Netflix shows where she every appears movie. in every single one besides, uh, what's that character's name? Oh, it doesn't matter. Iron Fist? No, not Iron Fist. Is Iron Fist in every season? I was talking about the criminal guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but yeah, Rosario Dawson plays Night Nurse in the Marvel Netflix shows, and uh, she is kind of like the adhesive factor of those shows together. And uh, Rosario Dawson, she's just an absolute hoot. I love Rosario Dawson. And Idina Menzel, too. I mean, uh, like I said, Frozen, Wicked, just she's great. And I'd love to see her in a Broadway show. And uh, she also did a few episodes of Glee, which she plays one of the main characters, Rachel Berry's actual mother. Uh, she shows up in a couple of the seasons there. And uh, have you guys ever seen Glee? I've seen bits and pieces. I've seen an episode or two. Oh, that's an episode, boys. Oh, oh God, just wait. I'm going to make them watch every musical I can think of. I'm down. <laughs> Uh, okay, so covered characters, we covered songs. Um, what scenes did you guys like? I really like, like, the final scene in the apartment. Oh, yeah, where they play Mark's movie and uh, Amy almost dies. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like that, just the ending of it, is a little rushed. It definitely seems like a musical. Um, it definitely seems like a Broadway play kind of thing where the ending is just kind of eh right. there. But, um, yeah, like, they find and I don't think that she's overdosing. I think she's more uh, just having hypothermia of the cold there so yeah but um what yeah because you wouldn't snap out of overdosing yeah no that that, that would take that take a little bit i heard they actually wanted to end it like the broadway show ends with the reprise of seasons of love with uh angel coming back into the cast but uh for some reason chris columbus felt that audiences wouldn't understand and they thought angel would be coming back from the dead but i kind of do like how they end with mark's kind of clip show movie that he has and it just ends on that striking image of angel during what i can only guess is like a video shoot that they did but just it ends on the best character in this movie in my opinion bobby do you like any scenes i'll say like the entirety both parts of love you boham oh, yeah. were just pure fun oh my god that's so great i had i've had that one in my head just uh <laughs> Hold on. To, uh... Oh, I don't think we mentioned this is going to be an uncensored podcast, so boys, fuck. Oh, fuck. All right, so I think the line is, uh, to leather, to dildos, the chicken vindaloo, to huevos, rangeros, and Maya Angelou. Both lyrics. Right, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's what it is. To yoga, to yogurt, to... God, I love this movie. Um, God, I don't want to say that my favorite scene is the beginning uh, seasons, the uh, seasons of love, just because the iconicism of that, just how iconic it is. But I also really like when they do the number rent yeah. with like the burning, just <laughs> them throwing the burning trash out the window, and just yeah, I kind of really like that one too. I, I love all the songs in this movie. I also really like when they go to the support team. Another scene that I really liked in the movie was whenever they were in the support group, um, especially when they sing the song Will I, where it's just the continued lyrics of Will I lose my dignity? Will someone care? Will I wake tomorrow from this nightmare? It's just, they repeat that over and over again, and it's really depressing, because this is something that a lot of people thought about when they had AIDS back in the day. And, you know, it's not just HIV, it's not just AIDS, it's a lot of diseases, you know, where 
people are, where people have outnumbered days and just this outlook on life of, is this all really worth something? Or, you know, what does my life become? And it's still something we think about now with mental health, with physical health, with all this stuff. There's people who would willingly let themselves die before putting them and others in critical debt. And it really does speak to the healthcare system, not just of the 1980s and 90s, but of today. I mean, it was apparent Ronald Reagan did not give two shits about gay people because people were dying left and right in the thousands every year. And he had said nothing throughout his entire presidency. He didn't think to help people. He didn't want to help people. And a lot of people think that's because the main people that were dying were gay people. And it was really sad, and it's something I heard of a lot when I was a kid. Just like, don't be gay because you'll catch this disease and die. That's not right. And I knew that wasn't right. And now times have changed for the good. People are far more accepting. People are far more loving. And stuff like this, stuff like HIV is not a thing of the past because people still suffer from it. But it's able to be handled now in a way we couldn't imagine it being handled all that time ago. Ugh. I wasn't choking up. That was just, I drink a lot of sparkling water so <laughs> this episode is brought to you by loud water oh god thanks for killing the tension <laughs> anyway um but just back in the support scenes uh there's a song later on that uh the song that angel dies and where you just see the support group getting smaller and smaller every time they have a meeting you just see people just start disappearing and uh because after lovey bohem part b uh there is a bit of a time jump because it goes the new years and then i believe it goes to like october where angel dies but uh before that we have another as you say bop with take me or leave me which is also just an amazing song i love take me or leave me where they're singing in the reception hall during uh Maureen and Joanne's engagement party. You know, I, I really like that song. And um, yeah, Ren, any final thoughts, boys? I think it's a great mix of positive, uplifting emotions with really real, raw, depressing ones, too. Especially in the support group scenes, especially the second support group scene where you see them start to fade away throughout the song. Um, Angel's death scene is cripplingly sad yeah that scene still gets me every time i see the movie i just bust out crying because angel dies um the entirety of the character arc of uh rosario dawson's character is incredibly sad it's just it's a whole speaking to like what crippling addiction actually can do to people and especially the scenes where she's trying to kick the heroin and she's just in these cold sweats and she's crying because everything hurts because her body is thinking it needs this substance that's at the same time killing her. Right. I mean, you know my final thoughts on this movie. Yeah, but the audience doesn't, Bobby. Fuck. Still, to this day, even though, like, the first time I watched it, I was, like, let's see, when did the movie come out? 2005? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was 12, I didn't quite understand the story, but it's still, like, to this day, is my absolute favorite musical. I'm sorry, Hamilton. Um... <sighs> And, like, I gave this film three watches before recording. Yeah, that's why you're the resident researcher. And, uh, it's just kind of amazing. Like, when I was 12, I, you know, I didn't really care about, like, who was in the cast. But now, when I look at it, 
most of the Broadway cast that they brought to the film version, like, it's insane that, like, that's how a lot of these people started. Tay uh, Diggs, Idina Menzel. It's just, it's insane that, like, they got started off of such an amazing starting point. And I don't understand how this film was received, like, so negatively when it came out. But that's a whole other discussion that we should have had, like, you know. At the beginning, but. At the beginning, but. I mean, I could guess it was still Bush era, you know, we were still pretty conservative back then, and, uh, you know. So, uh, yeah, how about instead of thanking Christopher Columbus, because that man was a fucking rapist, let's thank director Chris Columbus for such classic films like the original two Harry Potter the original two Harry Potter films and um my one last uh closing statement on this no 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 we were supposed to go around and say Christopher Columbus films the original two Harry Potter films Gremlins no that was he he wrote that well still okay I gave you fucking options Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. Adventures in Babysitting. Pixels. We don't talk about pixels. We do not talk about pixels. Okay, we don't talk about pixels. All right. My dad made me watch pixels. Oh, God. Why did he make you watch pixels? Because at the time he thought it was a good idea. He found it on some shady Chinese website. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Bobby's dad, and thank you, Christopher Columbus. Not thank you, Christopher Columbus. Thank you, Chris Columbus. Yeah. And uh, Bobby, final words? Yes, can you please turn up a Larson? Yes, the original writer slash director of the original stage play, Jonathan Larson. All right. Well, till next time, boys. (laughs) Till next time, boys.